The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So there's what Sangha means to me, and there's probably what the formal definition of Sangha is. In the formal definition of Sangha from the time of the Buddha, it really meant the community of enlightened monks and nuns who had um, sort of gone to the home, become homeless, right? To that, all they do is have their robes and their alms bowl, and they live off of uh, food that's given to them day by day, um, and they sleep in parks and things where they're they're invited to sleep. Um, and that was initially the term, how what it meant. And the word sangha is one of, um, or sangha is one of what they call the three gems. There's three gems in the the Dharma. One is the Buddha, the teacher. The second is the Dharma, the teaching, the the teacher. You know what the lessons, the practices, and the third is the community, the sangha, the community. And, you know, we don't have many monastic nuns and monks in our day, and many of us who are teaching now are, are not, uh, we're, we live, you know, lives where we have homes and jobs, and so it's, life has changed a lot. The community has changed a lot here in the United States. Um, I guess it never really was that way, so it didn't change here, but it has evolved and um, so now I use the term sangha to represent spiritual friendship and the people who come, you know, to IMC. When we come together, we create a sangha. And it is that sangha that um, created the space. It made it happen. So that's what I mean. You want to add anything, Diana? Great. I just thought I would... Uh... Yeah, it's a good one. I actually, um, just last night, I had written up a document for submitting on something, and Gil said, do you think maybe you should define the word sangha? <laughs> so, so it's a theme. Gil stole my thought. <laughs> Hi, Anne Rose. Good to see you. So are we ready to meditate? Great. So I thought the way that I would um, give instructions is sort of a combination of telling you and walking you through it. So when we when we when it's time to meditate, these are some of the things I've taught, been taught to do, or I do. And so I'm just going to sort of you know, there's we all find our exact own way. So this is not like. I'm not telling you the exact thing that every person does here, but I'm telling you things that are taught a lot and you can adapt in a way that works for you. Does that make sense? And so also I'll give you instructions, but I also want to give you permission to adjust the instructions. So if I say a word that doesn't land right to you or I invite you to try something and you're like, no, please Trust what's right for your practice. So the first thing is kind of this decision, we're going to meditate. I'm going to be mindful. So that's really the very first thing. We're going to sort of make this choice. And one posture we can 
be mindful in is sitting, which is what we're all choosing to do tonight. So we're going to bring awareness into sitting down and the posture that we take. And, you know, think about what, how you might be sitting right now if you were about to meet with someone important. How would you show up? How would you feel? What would your posture be if this was somebody important you were going to connect with? There's a little bit of extra lift, right? A little bit of, I don't want to use the word formal, but a little bit more upright in our posture. Because we're interested. And we want to be respectful, too. So guess who we're going to show up for like this? Ourselves. We're important. Our, Our awareness is important. So finding a posture, feeding, feeling the feet supported by the earth, the sit bones supported by our cushion or chair, our backs are upright. And feel into your body. Feel it sitting here. We want to be comfortable, too. And so take a moment to see if you need to adjust your posture in any way. It's great to do that. That's right. Back and forth on the sit bones. You might lean forward, lean back. You might bring your shoulders up and roll them back to help open the chest for breath. And feeling, maybe feeling that there's more a sense of weight You're more connected to gravity as you bring your awareness inward and into the seating. The next thing that can be helpful, it's like inviting a mindset that will support us in our practice. So I'll I'll mention a couple of qualities, faith and inspiration. So as we show up, can we have faith that this is important? That for whatever reason, we got ourselves here. We wanted to be here. And we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the next hour and a half. But can we stay connected to a sense of inspiration and faith that it's worthwhile? You might, if you have a reason for being here, you might connect with that. Like, I want to suffer less. Or, I want to have more freedom from my thinking. Or, I want to be able to respond differently to my emotions. Or, I want freedom. I want to be liberated. The next quality I'll invite you to connect with is 
the quality of being interested, curious, or receptive. Being curious about how this is going to unfold, because no meditation, no two meditations are the same. And the journey here is to stay present, awake to what's happening in our direct experience, curious about the next sensation, sound, thing that arises. We're often taught that it's helpful to have some sort of an anchor, some sort of a way to help ourselves not get lost in thought. An anchor, just like an anchor for a boat, helps the boat not drift out to sea or crash up onto the shore. An anchor in meditation helps us to stay as close as we can to the present moment. And it could be sound, breath, or sensations in the body. Most often, it's the breath. But we all find what's easiest for us to connect with in a way that helps us stay here. Paying attention on purpose in the present moment to whatever you can sense into, what you can experience right here, right now. And just like the ocean has waves, we have thoughts. They will come and sometimes we'll get moved around by them, carried away by them. That's the nature of a mind that thinks it's not a problem. But is it possible for the period of this practice to prioritize being with our direct experience over thinking about over planning, over conceptualizing. Can you let thoughts just happen and be an experience without getting carried away by them, agreeing or disagreeing with them? Over and over again, we might just invite ourselves 
to reconnect with our anchor, our breath. We might try what we call a noting practice. That might be something like saying in with the inhale and out with the exhale. Very simple noting. In as you breathe in, out feeling and knowing the sensations of breathing out. You might try noting by just saying the word now, helping your mind orient to this moment, or here, right here, in this, in this moment, in this body, or even this. Just seeing what happens in your own experience experimenting with curiosity a little bit with these different ways of noting and seeing what happens inside of you how does your mind respond this is about learning Learning how to be aware and with your mind. Not controlled by it. And not wrangling with it either. Just here.
just now. And if the mind is busy thinking, it might be possible to just sort of breathe through the thinking, just letting the thinking happen and still feeling the breath, still knowing now. The mind can have thoughts, it's okay. And you can be right here, just now. Just this, breathing right through it, right with it. Paying attention on purpose and giving preference to our direct experience. Direct experience is the feeling of breathing, the sounds you're hearing, sensations in your body. The mind might be just making little thoughts. They can be like little clouds in the sky, just floating around, doing their thing. And we can be like the sky. Sky doesn't care if there's clouds. It's wide and open, spacious. It's patient. Just breathing here. Letting the thoughts be thoughts, the sensations be sensations. Just letting things be. 
don't have to try and control them or change them. Just breathing with it and through it. Breath by breath, maybe three breaths in a row, just three, seeing if you can stay intimately connected with the inhale, the pause and the exhale, three breaths in a row. Thank you. So before Diana gives her talk, I wanted to just see how that was for you. Questions, frustrations, pleasant, unpleasant experiences. We've got a mic here, and um, for the people out on YouTube, hello, and the other people who listen later on, would you be willing to use the mic and 
Let's just hear a couple of comments about how that was. Tara, thank you. wondering if it's normal to feel like you're falling asleep and you're kind of in and out of this dream state, sort of hard to tell if it's sleep or thoughts. Mm-hmm. Is that normal? Anybody else ever feel that way? <laughs> yes. So we get used to, we get, we, we get exposed in this different way to all these different mind states, right? And that's one of them. And, um, you know, it can be kind of pleasant. Did you find it a little bit pleasant? Yeah. And um, do you feel like you were able to be aware enough of what was happening as it was happening? This time, no, I felt like pretty sleepy. I don't know. Mike. That's okay. This time, not so much. You felt pretty yeah, sleepy. More sleepy. Yeah. So, you know, you got lost in, you know, sloth and torpor, right? Which is a, one of the hindrances. It can be quite pleasant, and you know. Um, and one of the things we can do if we find that is we stand up, or we open our eyes, or we take off our sweater so we're a little cold. You know, these are some of the things to help bring energy more. Um, yeah, a little more kind of energy into the experience, not quite so comfortable. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. Tara, thank you. Tara, okay. I kept finding myself uh, hunching over, and then I would need to remind myself to sit up and be important because that feels better. <laughs> it just, it's easier and feels more open when you're sitting back and attentive but if I don't pay attention to that I end up creeping forward and forward and then I have to remind myself to sit back great observation do you want to say anything about that Diana? no (laughs) (laughs) you know I mean you have a habit right? of leaning forward Mm -hmm. and part of that is you know the computer and the phone and some of it made us might also just be part of your habit and so those habits become automatic and so you're it's so wonderful you're noticing it during your meditation and it's just okay yes important Uh, let me just open back up and slowly over time we just keep coming back and back and yep get to create a new habit yeah I, I liked what you said about important about you know s- sitting with someone important and then that person being yourself that helped remind me to sit up straight Tracy beautiful alright maybe one thing that I will add is um, the manner in which we're sitting like for me I notice when I'm sitting here with my back against that I'm a little bit more leaning forward and then it makes it easier to do this than if I'm sitting um, part of the reason why 
I sat on the floor partly because my feet don't touch the ground and I don't want to put my bare feet on something. So, But um, when we're sitting with maybe like the pelvis is just tilted a tiny bit forward, then it's easier to be upright because that's kind of like how our spine is meant to be. But chairs these days are they don't allow that, like you're going back or something like this. So it can just to work with our anatomy to be... If it's possible. For some people, you know, they need the back support to support their back, but to it to be a little bit more upright. And that will also help with sleepiness. If I ever feel sleepy meditating, it's when I'm leaning, uh, uh, using the backrest. That's just for me personally. So just something else that might be helpful. Yeah, and this... Yeah, and, you know, finding the right posture, this is definitely something that takes practice. Like, we try this, oh, that didn't work so well. We try that, that doesn't work so well, or something like that. So. And I just sit on the floor because my legs aren't very long, and it's a way for me to sit upright. So, so I just wanted to maybe build a little bit on what uh, Tanya was talking about here with regard to meditation. And Tanya used this word, anchor, and I like this word. So often with mindfulness meditation, like when we're formally in a meditation posture and with our eyes closed, that kind of thing, we choose an anchor. And what we mean by that, and as Tanya said, most often teachers will talk about the breath, but it doesn't have to be the breath. It can be sounds or bodily sensations. And what do we mean by anchor? So I find myself kind of doing this with my hands. So the anchor is here, and we rest our attention on it. The experience of breathing, like, for example, like feeling like the, the little stretching that happens around the chest, and then the de-stretching, <laughs> the unstretching. You know, so what is the actual experience? So we're not thinking about it. We're, like, feeling, what does this feel like? So this is our anchor, and we've kind of like rested attention on it. It's perfectly natural that the mind is going to wander and start planning or fantasizing or commenting or something like this. And then it'll be, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be meditating. Okay, and then it comes back. And then, you know, the mind is going to do this again. And then, oh, right, I'm meditating. And then you come back. So this is kind of what's happening. Is The anchor is this place where you always come back while the mind is like going wherever the mind goes, right? The future, the past, or whatever's happening. So choose an anchor. Meditation teachers love to talk about the breath, but it can also be just sounds. Even though we're not talking, it's very common that there are sounds, you know, outside of the classroom or just people shuffling their posture or people doing whatever they're doing, you know. So the meditation hall actually can be quite noisy, even though nobody's actually speaking. Or Tanya talked about um, bodily sensations. So an obvious one, and an easy, I shouldn't say easy, right, because this is simple, but it's not easy, right? If you noticed, right, doing any of this, that the mind is going everywhere except on the anchor. But to just be... um, with like the feeling of the chair or the cushion against the body. So like feeling that pressure, that sensation can be another anchor. So it turns out that you can actually anything can be an anchor. We're talking about the breath. 
because it's always available and because it's changing, that makes it a little bit more interesting. So it's a little bit easier for the mind to land there on the breath. So one thing that about mindfulness practice that's different than perhaps some other just general meditation practices, but mindfulness meditation is that in something that we like to say is that there are no distractions. That like we just say that that doesn't we don't have this word of distraction so much. So what that means is if you have this anchor, the breath, and the neighbor's dog is barking or that ding dog. Bark, 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 bark. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to be meditating. Bark, 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 bark. You're like, oh, this dog. Then you come over here. (laughs) Right? You may have other language that you use or something. And then bark, bark, bark. (laughs) This dog, like, wow, I'm never going to meditate. Don't they know this is my only time I have today to meditate? And there's a kind of little anger and whatever it might be. And we come back to the breath. Bark, bark, bark. (laughs) And then instead of this fighting with it, you just shift the anchor to be barking. Oh, the dog is barking in groups of three. It feels like this, my body. Maybe every time there's a little bark, maybe I feel this really slight little tightness or something like this, or whatever our reaction is. And we might notice that there's some emotions that are coming up and maybe a flood of thoughts while we're just paying attention to the, to the barking in a relaxed, easy way. And part of the trick here is the relaxed, easy way. Because we want to, of course we do, we want to control our environment and making it be as best as possible for meditation. That's not possible, right? We don't get to control the experience. So instead, we kind of like just fold it into our meditation practice. So you can switch and just bring that into your experience. Or maybe you stay with the breath, and then just as Tanya was saying, make a little note. It could be, the note could be sound. So you just say quietly in your mind, sound, come back to the breath, sound, come back to the breath. Or maybe bark or dog or something like that, It doesn't matter what the word is. What's really helpful is just like placing a note on it is a way that we can stop getting tangled up and involved with it, with a big story making like that dang dog. Or I wonder what kind of dog it is. It reminds me of that dog that I had when I was little. And And then off we go, right? So that's part of uh, mindfulness meditation is this idea that we can fold anything in discomfort in the body, sounds that are happening, whatever it might be, we can turn towards them, bring some open-mindedness, some attention, and I kind of like some of the language that you were using, Tanya, that uh, you started off talking about like inspiration and faith, faith being this belief that this is beneficial. It doesn't have to be faith in anything else. So this, that kind of maybe uh, warm-heartedness or softness or something like that, as opposed to kind of like, okay, here's this, um, the anchor, and then there's, then we notice bark, 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 and then, oh, 
I'm supposed to be mindful. Dang it. What am I going to get mindful? And like holding on to the breath as much as we can. There's a way in which we might like use a type of a sledgehammer or our mind or kind of like come back in a way that has a little bit of aggressiveness or a little bit of uh, energy, a lot of energy to it. And we notice this when, if when the bell rings, mm-hmm. if there's this sense of, oh, thank gosh. Yeah. Then that means there was a little bit too much energy because you can't sustain that, right, for very long. So, and this is definitely the art of practice is finding the right amount of energy. This is something that it's not like at one time you'll figure out, okay, not too much, not too little, like, hey, perfect, I got it, dialed in, I know how to do this now. It's something that we will always have to be adjusting, depending on what the mind's doing, how the body feels, etc. So this is something that's just integral into meditation practice, is figuring out the, the strength or the amount of energy. I don't even know what the word is exactly in which we pay attention. And this is something that perhaps we never even thought about before, but we can explore and discover as we do this meditation practice. Are there any questions about what I've said so far? There was a lot of words and I was speaking kind of quickly, but... Hello, Diana. Hello, Tanya. Thank you. Um, you know, when I first started at IMC was June, June 30th, but I, and now it's October 20th. And but I've been meditating, you know, for six months straight. And I would say that the energy part of it, at least the beginning, and even now, obviously, because I'm no way, I'm still like learning and all that stuff. But I find that. There are some sittings that I don't wait for the bell anymore, mm-hmm. and it's nice. Yes. And I'm, or you know, even with this meditation, when Tanya was guiding it, I was having like an imaginary conversation, and I'm like, oh, go back to the breath. And it wasn't so much the, dang it, why didn't I? And I'm like, okay, just be still. It's cool. I don't have to. And also, if I when I'm breathing, sometimes I'm not forcing. I'm like, oh go back to the breath, but let's, don't have to force it or do whatever. And I was kind of reverting back to, like, just the counting because it's what I was accustomed to. So it's just really nice. It is like, the, the from, it just, it's working. <laughs> it's like, you're the begin like, beginning guide to meditation at IMC and then establishing the practice and continuing it. I get it. It's like, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but sure. it's, I, I'm very, very, very excited. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you for sharing that, Andrews. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe that's because you have a good teacher, right? Because uh, Tanya's been here on Thursdays. <laughs> and Sage has a, maybe somebody on YouTube. I would like to introduce a question from the beyond. Um, the beyond. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Something. Um, someone was picking up, uh, actually, they posed this question before the dog analogy, but I thought it would be related and helpful. Um, 
This person is asking, like, how to, like, is there a way to notice your thoughts while meditating without judging them one way or the other? So instead of judging sensations, how do we be with our thoughts and not judge them? Yeah, how to be with our thoughts. So um, there's a, lots of things we could say. I'll just say a few things. One, when you're lost in thought, no problem, because you're lost in thought. You don't even know that you're going to be supposed to be meditating, right? So, okay, that's, there's nothing to be done, right? You're lost in thought. Two, if you find that there's, uh, like there's this real momentum behind the thinking, it's just going on and on and on, and or sometimes it's the same thing, I've got to remember to do this, don't forget to do that, okay, I've got to remember to do this, or we're rehearsing a conversation we had before, or planning, or whatever it might be. Whatever it might be, there's a few things we can do. One is to kind of uh, to maybe unhook us from the content is to just generally ask this question: Oh, are these images or are they sounds? Like, what are thoughts? So we go, we kind of let go of the content of the thoughts and look more at the process of thinking because the process of thinking is happening right here right now so just this like gentle inquiry are these images or are they sounds and sometimes shifting our relationship to thoughts in this way can interrupt the momentum of the thinking 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 so sometimes that works and sometimes you might have to do it a lot like oh okay here's this image And then we could um, ask questions about the images. Are they in color? Are they clear? Is there a projection screen? Where is it? If there are sounds, what is the sound? Or whose voice is it, rather? Or something like this. And then maybe the third thing I'll say about thoughts, and Tony is going to probably do a lot of teaching about thoughts when you did the intro class, and you will again on November. So there's a lot that we can say about it. But maybe I'll just... um, drop in is there an emotion that's fueling the thoughts often there's something that's underneath that's keeping those um, emotions the, those thinking the thoughts going for example often when there's a lot of planning happening and I know I've experienced this a lot that oh there's a little bit of like fear or apprehension underneath it because I'm a trying to make sure that I can take care of everything so that I don't have to, because I'm afraid of what might happen if it's not going to go the way I want it to or something like this. So just this gentle inquiry. So what I'm describing is in meditation is a bit different than what we might do with journaling or psychotherapeutic setting. With meditation, it's more just a gentle just dropping in of the question, is there an emotion that's fueling this? And then we just kind of like open and wait. We do not like go and figure it out. This is our mind's habits are, of course, we want to figure it out because we want the thinking to stop. But the power here is in asking the question. It's not in finding the answer. The power is in asking the question because there's this way of when we ask the question, I go like this with my hands because it's a way in which there's kind of like being open to learning something, open to something new, open to what might happen next. 
So it might be that the answer bubbles up. And it might be that it doesn't. And both are fine. It's just asking the question is a way, again, kind of interrupts the momentum of thinking. So those are just a few things that I'll say. Thank you for that, Sage. On behalf of the Internet, we're grateful. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, that's right. Thank you, Iris. Um, I feel like if you go through those steps and you still feel very maybe like attached or the thought just kind of doesn't let go, how do you work with that? I think maybe that causes me more tension and anxiety when I go through the steps and it's like still there. I can't, it's not going away. Yeah. Yeah. It may not go away. (laughs) Right. That's um, Tanya was talking about habits of mind. We have habits of mind, and there's so much of invested in our thoughts. Many of us earn our living thinking, right? And we've been educated, so we get rewarded for thinking. So there's a lot of pressure behind it, but it can it can when we can get where we um, where the mind settles down, and the thoughts maybe are going to the background. And then they might get wispy and then soft while we're having like the anchor in the foreground. So there might be a little bit of these thoughts floating around while we're with the anchor. But it could also be where there's just a lot of thinking. And then we can talk about, well, what supports waking up out of thinking and coming back to the anchor? Mindfulness supports mindfulness. <laughs> and maybe that leads me into one of the last things that I, I want to say here, is that this um, is a skill, I would say, is something that, you know, and we've all learned how to do things. We all learned how to tie our shoes. We all learned how to drive. We all learned. So this is something that does take a little bit of practice with. But there's a... Um, a way in which if we bring mindfulness more and more into our experience, then it just becomes easier to become mindful the more we do it. Not surprising, just like everything else right in our life. So maybe I'll just say um, this, that it's often when we talk about mindfulness meditation, we talk about sitting on a cushion, being in a posture, but we can be mindful all day long, or we can do it in any posture we we are in, doing whatever we are doing. Eating. Maybe we take part of a meal or a whole meal every day and just be really present for the experience, putting the fork in the food, feeling the arm moving, tasting it, something like this. Or we um, talking about posture in the body, maybe the feeling of the body moving as it walks. We could be mindful of that. So it doesn't take any extra time, but just bringing our mindfulness to things that we're already doing. And then that makes a giant difference that when you come to sit on the cushion, having had those experiences of mindfulness and in other settings helps when you get to the cushion. Was that helpful, Iris? That was. Yeah, I think uh, so. Okay. I do think 
maybe I'm trying to force myself to not think like there's like actually sitting causes more tension because of the thinking <laughs> and like the mindfulness so yeah <laughs> so is, is this okay Tony if I just say it went so then uh, maybe one thing that um, I can point to here is so there's I'm just going to make this up you have the anchor and then you're lost in thought and then you wake up like oh right shoot I've been <laughs> I'm thinking I'm not supposed to be thinking and then what can be helpful is to notice that second beat mm-hmm. to like waking up and then notice the attitudes it's not uncommon to kind of have this little like oh shoot dang it and just notice what that feels like that's mindfulness too mm-hmm. okay. and then begin again in a gentle way as, as best you can and so this can be really, and this is very common what you're describing. Also, and I certainly had lots of this, absolutely. So just notice, like, oh, waking up out of uh, being lost in thought, and then just notice the attitude or the tone or the word or something that, like, I should know how to do this by now. Everybody else is probably completely enlightened. What am I doing here? I should have been come here. You know, whatever stories we all make up, right? Crazy stuff sometimes. So. Just notice that, like, oh, that's more thinking, and then come back to the breath. So you can notice, like, the attitude or the tone, and maybe there's a whole little, quick little story that happens when you realize that you've been lost in thought. Yeah, that sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Iris. Thank you, Diana. You're welcome, Tanya. Um, So the next part would be to do some small group discussions, but... um, you know, this is pretty important, what we're doing right now, clarifying what to do and what practice is. So I just want to make sure um, your questions, you feel like you got enough answers to any of your questions before we move into the breakout groups? Okay, great. So why don't we do two groups of, well, one, Richard, you in or out of groups today? Okay, two groups of four. Um and um, so it's easy enough just as long as you guys, I don't think you know each other, so the, you four can come over here and, and Richard can go with these. So you guys make a, you go that way, Tara, Tara, Tara. Tara. Great. Okay. And um, so the first, I'm going to have you do, first thing I'm going to have you do as you sit down in your circle is number one, when we're connecting in the circle, we're still practicing mindfulness. We're going to still be aware of what's happening as it's happening. And one of the nice things is to stay aware of your posture. So try and stay upright. So not leaning too far back and not leaning too far forward. We want to maintain kind of a balance of staying in our own bodies even as we're listening to others, right? Staying grounded and connected to our, our experience. And, and then very, whatever you can be aware of. So talking, oh, I'm, I can feel my vibration of the sound in my mouth, you know, I'm aware of that as I'm talking or when I'm listening, um, the feeling of hearing or the impact of the words emotionally on my mind or my body or my heart. So just trying to help yourself stay aware as you're speaking and listening. 
So the first invitation now, while practicing mindfulness, is to go around the circle, and if you each share your name, where you're living, and why, what inspires you to practice mindfulness. Um, and just go around the circle and, you know, maybe take up to a minute, half of 30 seconds to 45 seconds, let's say, per person. So not long. Um, and I'll be watching you to see when both groups are done. So whoever has the longest hair, maybe they could start in the group.
Great. And so... Go ahead and finish your sentence. Yeah, don't finish your sentence. Yeah, make sure. Yeah, okay. So um, one more question for you. Um, And what I would like to do is invite you to, um, I'll tell you what the question is, which is what might happen if you practiced mindfulness every day? And then, so Anne Rose, just answer what comes up for you like one thing that might happen. And then Iris, you you say one thing, right? And then Mustafa, you say one thing, and you just kind of keep going around and around, spiraling around, right? Makes sense? So you don't have to say everything that might happen. Just the thing that comes up that feels, oh, this, you know? Um, and if you have a hard time with that one, you could also sit, you know, just say, you could offer what you might want to do to help yourself practice mindfulness. Okay? And we'll just do this for about five minutes. And so just, you know, talking, sharing an idea, letting the next person and letting yourself be inspired and impacted by what you hear other people say. All right.
Just checking in. How how was the? You feel is this a good time to shift? Yeah, you guys too. Thank each other, and then let's make a circle. So pull your chairs. Let's make a more intimate circle here. Sage, do you mind checking also and see if there's any comments in the? Yeah, great. Yep. Beautiful. Do you guys mind scooting up a little closer? Yeah, there we go. there a mic over there yeah great great so um, now we get to just share with each other a little bit about what came up for you Um, maybe you know I, I, I tend to believe that it's really useful to restate something that was important to you kind of helps you your mind take it in is important and helps you remember it and it's also um, then gets to share with people who weren't in your group and they get to hear maybe something new um, so is anyone willing to start and then we'll just pass it in a circle the mic does anyone have something they'd feel inspired to share to start thank you Tracy Thank you. So I'm inspired by Manuel, who was surprised, and and I loved it. He was surprised that he was able to, this is his first time. Amazing. Quiet his mind, and he was surprised when when his mind was still, and that was so inspiring to me. I just, I, I, I loved that. So that supported your practice, made you yes. feel inspired. Yes. Great. And so why don't you choose to pass the mic one way or the other? Okay. <laughs> and you do have to hold it up to your... Sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I mean, so far it's been a really great experience, um, it, it, it really confirms that um, I'm in the right track of because uh, I'm in the process of rebuilding my life. I guess of or actually starting a new life. I think it's the correct mm-hmm. word. And uh, um, paying attention and developing new uh, ways of connecting with people, um, compassion, kindness, and things like that probably are going to help me a lot. And uh, Mindfulness, you know, they, they give me the opportunity also to slow down and just pay attention to what I really want or what I don't want. So that's uh, that's what I'm getting from 
Beautiful memo. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Hmm. What am I supposed to talk about? Um, what's, what, what's, if there was something that you connected with, that you heard, that you felt was inspiring or supportive. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the fact that, you know, everybody here is here showing up uh, the best they can, best we can. And... Uh, I'm inspired by that. I mean, the fact that uh, you all have busy lives, you know, and you do, uh, you know, you're, you're out there every day doing whatever you're doing, having families, working, you know, all of that, and you still take the time to come and work on something this significant, which is to learn how to, you know, create a more uh, compassionate, kind you know, world that we can all live in and be in together, you know, especially in this culture today where we have some divisiveness that comes up in different places. So it's, you know, just being able to commit to that in our lives and to make it a priority feels pretty inspiring to me, very inspiring. So, And that this place is run by all volunteers like Diana and and uh, Tanya, and you, and, you know, and, and you, and, Richard, yeah, and me, and other people, and, <laughs> and Sage, mm-hmm. you know. So the fact that you know this place can't happen if we don't all decide to help make it happen. So I'm grateful for that. So that's inspirational. Great. You can just hand it to Sage. Leave it on. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I think. What stood out to me was, uh, like you would expect, um, quite a bit of our discussion centered on ways that we can shore up, like what I would call, like hesitantly, like perceived shortcomings and things like that. Um, but what really like blows me away is like, you know, like Richard said, like everybody's here, and like despite the fact that so much of what we like do and like think. Uh, in our lives comes from like seeds that we planted forever ago or seeds that aren't even our responsibility. Like people are like committed to like um, doing the work to make changes and uh, even against like resistance, like in choosing to show up when you don't want to. Like that's very impressive. Right here. Yeah, just put the mic up to your mouth. And what it what did, was did you hear or say connect with anything that inspires you to practice mindfulness here? Uh, well, I mean, it seems like we, even though there's, it is different b- between us, it seems like we're all kind of here for the same thing, and 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 that's in itself the most inspiring thing. Just everyone here. We're kind of going through the same things, but in different ways. Beautiful. Thank you, Mustafa. Um, I think it's nice to be reminded of all the different ways it's helped people. Recently, I've kind of, I feel like for the first time, I've hit a rut or like lack of motivation with practice. Um, So these like reasons all kind of help. Oh, that's great. That's so nice. And that's... um, 
you know, the, the, the support of Sangha, right? We, we really can help each other, inspire each other, remind each other, we learn from each other. Thank you. Uh, I'm very grateful. To, uh, I think gratitude was the one thing that also came up for the practice and for everyone's just kindness and receptiveness and being non-judgmental. Like, because I know I can say things that are kind of well. Any anyhow, so I'm just I, I I just really like that I can be who I am and not feel pressured to just say something to impress people. I just need to say something. I, I don't need to. I, I want to say something mm-hmm. just because uh, for the sake of this, for my practice and for mm-hmm. my betterment. Thank you. Thank you, Andrews. Um, I think what resonated with me is just feeling like so much of what I have felt kind of internally through meditation or mindfulness as being like kind of named or labeled is like the experience of it and the process and... Um, I, it feels really wonderful just to hear this commonality that we share as humans and, um, you know, just these little experiences and things that I've had. It's like, oh, that's what that is. And, you know, when you were talking about mindfulness and just to hear from you, Richard, that you've been, you know, doing this for so many years and you have, and you have these little moments or these little epiphanies where you feel a shift and it's like, oh yeah, I've had that too. And just to, to feel that, you know, collective sharing of an experiences. I really love that. Thank you. That's nice. Yeah. And so we have, you know, little time if there's um, any other questions that people want, you know, to ask um, or anything else you want to share about practicing mindfulness. Not required, it's just optional. So, um, we all tend to drive in California. You know, like there are people that I've had come out here for different events from the East Coast. And I say to him, you know, there's no public transformation, transportation from where you're going to be working. <laughs> you know, you need to. And they just don't quite get it. And so one of the things that can happen here in California is you're going to drive. The driving is one of the best, in my experience, this is my experience, mindfulness realms to work with. Because first of all, you're going to make it safer for everybody, you know, if you're mindful. And it, it just, it's wise to, to bring mindfulness into driving. And I don't think we do it quite enough. We get caught in, you know, radio shows or whatever we're doing. We're not paying as much attention as we should be. We're, you know, we're thinking about other things instead of, knowing driving is like this. Boom. Now I'm driving, right? And I know what I need to do as I'm driving. So it's, it's, um, it's sort of, I don't know if it's, it's, it's like a, I'm a little bit of an evangelist about it, to, to be honest, because I'm always scared when I'm driving, mm-hmm. to be honest. There's a lot of fear. 
I'm exper- I experience quite a lot of fear as my mindfulness grows. Like, what's really underneath this? Fear. You know, a lot of fear. Because it's dangerous. You know, it's really a dangerous thing. And we just take it for granted. So, you know, I could go on all night, but I don't plan to. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Yeah, it's a great reminder that we can practice doing anything. We can be mindful in everything we do. And um, I think let's shift to, I'll I'll, I'll say one thing, that um, when we ring the bell three times, just so you know, we're ringing the bell for the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So, you know, that's why it's three bells, right? I thought, yeah. And at the end of any meditation or Dharma talk or event or retreat, whatever you do, there's something called dedication of merit. And this, is, um, this comes out of the, the whole philosophy of generosity and the whole devotion to do our practice for all beings, that we're doing this for the benefit of ourselves, for others, and for both. And so at the end of a practice period, we dedicate the merit of our practice, and we dedicate it to all beings without exception. Right? That's the overarching theme. And there's lots of ways to do that, but... One of the things we've been doing here is, you know, I can say let's dedicate the benefit of our practice to all beings everywhere. And there's probably a lot of beings we don't even think about that don't come to mind. And so on Thursday nights, we've been doing a communal dedication of merit where we pass the microphone around and each person can offer a being, a type of being, or a group, or a cause, an animal, just something short that that is on their mind that you would like us to remember and acknowledge that we want the benefit of our practice to go to them too. And it helps us all bring more beings into our mind. So we'll do that now, and and then at the end of that, Diana will ring the bell three times. Richard, please start. So I'd like to dedicate uh, a practice tonight to two members of the Sangha that are, are, you know, quite mature. And one of them is Stephen uh, Browning. He's an artist, and you may, if you're lucky, someday see some of his work. He's phenomenal with uh, woodprint artist. And he's going blind and deaf at the same time, so, and his partner, Pat, so that's what I'd like to dedicate to them. I wasn't prepared for this because it connect me with something that happened with me uh, not long ago. I, um, <clears throat> so I'm dedicating my time here tonight to my mom, who unfortunately passed away um, uh, time ago recently and uh, so that's beautiful Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to dedicate this to my boss Catherine Mm. who needs a lot of kind (laughs) 
thoughts? Mm. Um, I'm dedicating my practice tonight to my two sons, Liam and James. I would like to dedicate this practice to anyone feeling lonely or isolated. Mm. Um, maybe I'd like to dedicate this to anyone Are you feeling any of the overthinkers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I dedicate this to work. <laughs> Honestly, I, that's where I'm lacking the most. <laughs> um, may the benefit of our practice uh, be for the highest good of incarcerated people living in cages across America. May all beings be free. I was going to let you say something. Do you want to do a little bit of the dedicated practice? To the waters and the sky and the earth. I, I was going to dedicate it to spiders, partly because I'm afraid of spiders. And so just this, uh, you know, all beings, right? Sometimes we tend to exclude some, but all beings. So may all beings be free of suffering. Thank you for being here. And thank you for your practice. And thank you for your practice. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs>